Heavenly Father, what a great honor it is for us. And this wicked, sinful, dark age, Lord God, to be able to raise children. Any man and woman that's physically, genetically able could be able to bring children into the earth. But that's not the same thing as being a real father and a real mother. Lord, knowing that much of what children become will be determined by the input of the family that they're raised in. So, Lord God, as my brother and sister stand here before you today, with this awesome knowledge of this responsibility to bring their little daughter into your presence, you gave her to them to be able to watch over her and nurture, do everything that they could to help her in the right path. Now, Father, they need you to help them, to guide them, to lead them, so they can be able to have the right kind of influence on her life. We pray, Lord, that you keep her from the evils, the diseases of this day. If time should tarry, Lord, that she would be old enough to be able to make that decision towards you. May it be while her heart is young and tender. We dedicate her life to you today, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. Wow. She didn't even go to sleep. She don't belong in this church. Some of you folks wearing a mask are struggling with sleep big time. So if you get too sleepy, just reach up and pull it down below your nose. They say scientifically it don't affect you. I don't believe that. I see people nodding and going to sleep and ain't slept in 50 years in church. But we do what we got to do. As Brother Louis said, I'm glad we're able to come together. Aren't you able to have church? And we certainly appreciate the Lord giving us the opportunity. We know that this COVID thing has certainly been a, a difficult thing for all of us. I'm sure if you're keeping up with it, you know that the numbers are increasing around us. So we don't want to slack up on our prayers. We certainly want to ask God for his mercy and intervention. Some of our brothers and sisters still in Africa, India, different parts of the world, have not been able to come together and have church since March. So we're still doing whatever is necessary, but we certainly want to remember it's not just, of course, our state, but globally around the world. We certainly greet you today, Lord. We're grateful that the Lord's given us once again the opportunity and uh, where we can come together. I desire to make every bit out of it that we can by the help of the Lord. Let's turn, if you would, again today to Isaiah 53, 10. When speaking about the kenosis of our Lord, what he was willing to lay aside for us as his people, um, there's so much in what it takes to consummate an actual new birth. It's quite simple. In other ways of looking at it, it's quite, quite complex. It can happen in an instant, or for some people it can take years. Not that it takes God that long but it takes many times people that long to move past tradition. But hearing about what the Lord has done as far as coming to the earth and us being able to recognize what that changes us, it's not just um, merely about salvation. 
Salvation is just the beginning of a great journey, a great walk that is laid before each of us. It will end up in our rapturing faith of us being able to recognize who we are. And once God strikes that revelation in our hearts, the prophet tells us when she sees who she is, then the rapture will go, not come, but the rapture will go. So something is happening on the earth that is actually bringing the hearts of the people to a great spiritual place where the rapture can go. So let's read Isaiah 53, 10. We'll read um, uh, verses through, through verses 12. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And not just the body, not just the blood, the chemistry of the blood, but actually his soul. Because that's where our trouble laid. We all had soul trouble. Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. Now imagine this must have been overwhelming to try to understand this with a natural mind as being a Hebrew. If this man is going to be cut off, how is he going to have seed? As I told you last Sunday when we dealt with this, two of the great promises to a Hebrew in the Old Testament was the longevity of life and being able to see his children's children. Now, there were some that were able to see their children's children's children, which was a tremendous blessing, but they considered longevity of life a great blessing from God and be able to see your children's children. Now, for a man not to have any children of all, oh my goodness, it was just looked down, such reproach, just unthinkable. For a person not to have a long life or to have many seed. So how in the world is this Messiah going to come to the earth and be cut off and yet see his seed? Notice this. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And both of these are going to be accomplished in a man that was 33 years old. So he didn't have a wife, they thought. He didn't have children, they thought. And he died a very young man, they thought. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul. So his soul was bearing part of what must be born for the sin charge to be settled. And he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And listen what he will do. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he has poured out, again, notice the word Isaiah keeps using, his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. How many like to be remembered today as we go before the Lord in prayer? Let's just bow our heads if you would. Lord Jesus, we count it such an honor to be here today, Father. We thank you for the opportunity again, Lord. We just ask you that you would help us today in the service. Father, may our hearts be open to the inspiration of God. Help me that I can get out of the way, Lord, to be able to speak as you would 
project yourself, Lord God, through this gift in my life. Help me, Father, that I can be surrendered to speak, Lord, not what I think is appropriate, Lord, not even what the people think, but what you know. Help me, Father, that I can be sensitive, that if I'm pulled to the left or to the right, away from scriptures and quotes and things that I have in front of me, help me to follow that today. For it might be for one soul, maybe in Norway, one in Mauritius, one, Lord God, in France, one in in Switzerland. You and you alone know. So help me, I pray. Father, I have my hand laid here on two prayer cloths that I'm going to preach with today. One for Sister Lisa Lang. The request already been made known for her. Lord, the other for Brother Randy Babb. You see these needs in his body. Lord, with these kidney stones and still dealing with this COVID. I pray, Father, you would just be with them today, Lord. You saw the hands of your children that were uplifted and there were many. But we bring all of our needs to you. Father, just as I read a statement before I come out, where your prophet said, one person, if they can get surrendered and committed into the hands of God, that they could cause 10,000 devils to take off running, and they would run. Oh, God, we don't believe that's just a good quote. We believe it's the truth. So what could you do for us here today, Lord, if we could all just surrender? everything we are. Help us, I pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Saints, you may be seated. I can imagine before this prophecy became fulfilled, the rabbis, the priests, the scholars of Israel would have read down through Isaiah 53 and tried to comprehend to the best of their ability, is this messianic? Is it of the Messiah? Is it something laying in the future? And they would try to pull it through and make it line up with Deuteronomy 18.15. Also with Psalms 22.1 with Zechariah 12, with Genesis 3.15, with Nahum, with all the different prophecies, imagine it must have left them quite overwhelmed. How can a Messiah king, a Messiah deliverer be cut off? How can a son of David, a great warrior, ever offer his soul? How can the king, Messiah, ever be under travail of his soul? I wonder if they put this on the shelf, as we would say, and let it lay there for many, many years, because in their minds, they simply could not make it fit. And you know how we as humans are when we cannot make things fit. We lay them aside or we discredit them altogether. Or if we're children of God, we lay them there and think, well, maybe the season is not quite right. Maybe in time I will get an understanding. 
But we know that without God taking his word and making it real to us, we'll never put it together. It must have been so overwhelming even as these words came out of Isaiah's mouth. He's the same one that said, Behold, the Lord shall give you a son, and a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Emmanuel, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. How is the everlasting Father going to be the Son of Man? How is the Prince of Peace going to be the mighty God and yet be a mortal man? So you can see why I'm trying to describe this messianic coming to the earth. It must have been overwhelming. And they would have looked at it with an unregenerate mind trying to make it all fit. I got to be honest with you, with a regenerated soul, I'm still looking at it and saying, God help me. If you ain't, it shows you don't seem very well yourself. If you think you've got God figured out with your little canary brain, your God must be a pretty little God. But we look at it today after this has been fulfilled, and of course it's much easier to look back in retrospect and look backwards and see the fulfillment of it. But what I want to ask you today is the fulfillment of this what does it mean to you as an individual? Well, you know, Christmas time and Christmas season and we, we sing the carols and all the Christmas songs and, and this and that. And I wonder how many of the Christian world still to this day understand the very small percentage of what that coming actually meant. Oh, sure, he came, and he was a little baby boy. They don't even have that right. They've got a little baby laying in a manger. It wasn't a little baby. He was a child when the wise men come to him. And he wasn't the second person of the Godhead. He was the Godhead. He wasn't no second God that had to pray to another being in heaven. He prayed to the Father which dwelt in him, just like you do if you've got the Holy Ghost. So we can see why that Paul said great is the mystery of godliness for God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, received up unto glory. And Titus, and Titus, Paul wrote, now unto the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Stephen prayed in the same way that true believers do if they have a real understanding of the Godhead. When the Bible tells us that they ran upon Stephen and gnashed upon him with their teeth, and Stephen cried to God saying, Lord Jesus, that's the way I call on God. Now, I used to call on God the Father, Then I'd call on God the Son. Then I'd call on God the Holy Ghost. Now I call on all three being one. Amen. Why? Because I realize what he was. Now what was mystery to many of us years ago? God has made more real, has he not? And for that we are thankful. Now in looking at this today, Isaiah is focusing on the soul of the Lamb. 
Unlike every other lamb which had been offered, bullock, turtle dove, pigeon, whatever it was, even the meal offering, the paschal offering, none of them had a soul, for an animal does not have a soul. But an animal has a spirit. That's why animals are diverse. Now you take a male horse, let him breed to a female, they may be the exact same bloodline. But yet every one of those horses that will come of that union will have a total different makeup. Because we know the spirit of the animal goes downward, but the spirit of man goes up. So the animal, every animal, has this animalistic spirit in that it gives it a different, as we say it this way, personality. So you take 10 dogs out of a litter, and you watch them dogs and watch them as they're pups and watch them as they grow up, and they will each one be different. That same mother and father may bring multiple uh, you know, pups into the world and every one of them will be different. How is that? God diversifies his creation. But yet there was only one lamb which had a soul. Why do we need a lamb with a soul? Because our trouble is soul trouble. When God breathed the breath of life into Adam, it was a spiritual impartation of God's divine image into the image of animal which Adam bare on the earth. Now notice then the first man that God made in Genesis 1.26 was the spirit man. The second man God made, the man of Genesis 2.7, was the animal man which had no spiritual life. He was not animated. Now listen, he was animal, but he was not animated. Animation is that which is dead. Now, it was many, many years ago, of course, that man broke into the ability to be able to take drawings and be able to move them drawings and, and say from one, two, three, four, five, there would be no change in the drawings. Then all of a sudden, you would change the drawing in the ear on the animal. And then you would raise the side of its nose. And then you'd have two or three images like that. Then they started putting those images together and it started making what they turned as animation. That's the way cartoons started years ago. So they started taking the same one, putting it together, one image after another, putting it together, and then they animated it so they took it from a still picture and made it look alive. Now the cartoons were not alive, but they made it look alive by animation. So here stands the man. He has hands, he has feet, he has all these things that a man does, but there was no animation. So God did not take one image, another image, another image, another image, and put it all together. But God simply breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Then man becomes emanated. But he's not, and it's the same when we come to the New Testament, and it's E-M-A-N-A-T-E-D, emanated. And it is that which the Holy Spirit, under the dispensation of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, emanates our very soul. For we were lost in sin, we were dead, we were unregenerate, but we needed something to bring life inside of us. We needed more than emotion. You can go to a football game and get emotion. 
You can go to a baseball game. You know, you can do all kinds of things and get emotion, but we needed more than emotion. We needed to be emanated, E-M-N-A-T-E-D, emanated, and that was by the Spirit of God. So it would take those of us which were dead in sin, born that way, unregenerate, lost, as we call it, without the presence of God, and return to us our identity in the image of God. Now, when Adam received that breath of God, God breathed into Adam's body the image man of Genesis 1.26. And whenever Adam took that breath of life, then it was the merging together of that spiritual inside that natural. It was his portion of the image of God. Now, I hope you understand this today, that every elect member of the body of Christ has their designated part of the image of God, which was yours before the foundation of the world. Now, even though when we get the image of God and when we get our own glorified bodies, we will still be diverse in heaven. Everybody will not be blonde-headed. Everybody will not be brown-headed. Everybody will not be, you know, red-headed, but we will be as diverse there as we are here, yet without sin. Why? Because he is a God of variety. But yet what we come back to, that which is breathed in us, is actually a soul of God that was in God before the foundation of the world. Now that's a quote 1965. So it was a soul of God that was in God. What is it? It's your part of God. It's your part of God or God's part which he gave you. Whichever way you want to say it winds up being the same thing. Now when God breathes into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, God breathed into Adam's body Adam's part of what God wanted him to have. Now Adam did not have me. Adam did not have my part. Adam represented me, but it's not the same thing. Now, when God breathed into Adam's body, he did not breathe all of man. So I did not go into the first man, Adam, like I went into the second man, Adam, when he come on the earth. Now, the first man, Adam, simply represented us by being the head of the race. But friends, the Lord Jesus did not represent us. He had us. Amen. We were not represented by the Lord Jesus, but we were in him. Now, you don't remember, of course, no more than I do, no more than I remember being in my father or in my grandfather or my great-grandfather, but according to the word of God, I was there. Now, God is going to bring seed out of this this Christ, this Logos, this anointed word. And Isaiah prophesying about it here again in verse 10, he said, he'll make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. Notice in verse 8. He shall be taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? What you notice now, the prophet Isaiah does not say who will declare his generations. Now, we know the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, whenever God had started enveloping the earth and the moon and the the universe and all of that, that the Bible says these are the generations of the heavens. 
Now, it does not say generation one. Had God brought the heavens into completion by one spoken word, that would have never been generations. But it was like the heavens were unfolding and God initially when he spoke his word and what come into existence was the first generation of the heavens. Then God spoke again and that was another generation and another generation. Like we would say out of our family. Well, we'd say, well, the Reagans have several generations since they come from Ireland and say they come from Ireland back in the 1800s and then that was that generation. Well, they had another generation and they, they moved here and they lived in Kentucky, we'll say, and then they, they went over to North Carolina and they were here with that generation. But if you'll notice the way Isaiah says about his generation, he only has one. God has no grandchildren. Now, I hope you understand this, that every person in this building today that has the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are of the first generation of the firstborn of Christ. So when we stand before him by Peter and Paul and James and John and those down through the church ages, it's not like that he's got children, then grandchildren, then great-grandchildren, and here we are, Daniel, in the seventh church age, and we're great, 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 No, we're all one generation. By the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we stand right there before the throne of God as if we was birthed 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. I pray and there ain't but nobody but the Lord Jesus that can do that. So if I would have had a son, then from my son would have come what? I could not have been able to father another son through him, but it would have been what? My grandson. From his son, a grandson. On down, on down, on down. But the Lord Jesus has the ability to father children that are 2,000 years apart, and they all still belong to the same generation. They are called the church of the firstborn. That's right. This is why that I don't care what people say and what they do. They are not taping, taking my apostolic rights away from me. I have a right to have the Holy Ghost just like Peter did. I've got a right to see the power of God move in our church just like the original church. Is that right? People can say it's not for us. No, they're not saying the truth of that. It might not be for them, but it don't mean it ain't for us. It is for us if we are first generation Christians. So what then does the new birth do for us as believers? Now, it not only takes the desire of sin out, and this is what we emphasize, of course, but it places us us into a a new realm. Now, the faith that we believe initially by the grace of God, it gives us that deposit of faith to accept him as Savior, but that is not the ending or the consummation of your faith as you walk as a child of God. It will grow. It will become enriched through hearing of the word and by battles and trials and the tests of faith. And you will prove him in your walk with God as he proves you. But it is more and more and more of his faith as it's revealed from faith to faith. Is that what the Bible says? Notice then what the new birth does in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Notice that Paul does not say our old man was crucified in representation. But actually, our old man is crucified with him. 
that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So here, sin is personified as a master that had dominion over us, but now that dominion is dead. Now, as we looked at it a few weeks ago as the powers that Daniel saw in the book of Daniel, and it went from one power to another to another. It come, of course, from the Babylonians, and then it come to the Persians, and then it would come on down to the Romans, but yet whenever it would phase from the Babylonians to the Persians, there was an element of that power or that influence which merged right over into the Persian kingdom. So was it when it came to the Persians over into the Greeks, under the Macedonians, and then it merged into uh, to Alexander the Great, and then as it come from there into the Romans, what you find is a merging together of those powers. So it's the same way when we are born again. Our soul is so changed by the breath of God. But the power of the animal life is still dominating in this body. Now, by dominating, I mean that it is the life that was given to you by mother and father. My blood cells are not holy blood. My tissues are not holy tissues. Your bones can get broke just like anybody else's. Is that right? You can get sick, you can have disease. Why? Because even though, as I said, we say his royal blood now flows through my veins. No, it don't. You've got the blood of an ordinary human being. But yet it is a mixture of those powers. So the power of God inside of our soul, bringing our body subject to his word. Now, what's this in invisible union, paragraph 213? That's the reason you have to be born again. You have to separate. You have to die to that first husband. You can't live with it. You can't say, well, I'll divorce him. I'll hang him up to the occasion. No, sir, no writing of divorcement. He dies. The nature of the world has to die. So where did you get the nature of the world? You were born with that nature through no choice of your own. Now listen, your soul did not have the choice to be born lost. You didn't even have a choice to choose your birthday. Did any of you speak to your mom and daddy preconception and say, mama, I'd like to be a spring baby. Mama, I'd like to be a summer baby. Mama, I don't want to be born in January. I'll hate winter my entire life if I am. You had no choice. But mother and father, through planning or whatever more it was, and you come to this life in your first birth without a choice. And Happy Valley said? That's right. You did not choose the parents. You did not choose your siblings, which some of you probably regret. You did not be able to choose the family you were born in. Oh, my. And how in the world do you think you're so great now that by your own choice, you're going to choose this and that and the other when it comes to your eternal destination? But watch what happened to us now. So the part of us that was born was identified with a carnal nature. And he is actually reckoned as being our husband. The nature of the world has to die. Every speck of him has to die. And you have to be reunited again with another nature. So you cannot be a born again son or daughter of God as long as that old marriage is still active. God is not a polygamist. God will not marry you and be married to you at the same time you're married to the devil. You say, how did I get married to him? When you were born. That's right, you were a baby bride. 
Soon as you took the breath of life, you were born. Now watch this. I love the way it deals with this invisible union. Your name of your first nature. Now notice what your name is. Your name of your first nature. Now this is, this is strange. But the name of my first nature is still Donald Lee Reagan Jr. I call him Donnie, as you all do. But that is still the name of my first nature, and yet my first nature is now eradicated by the new birth. But my mama and daddy did not know that name, my nature separate from me, so they just called me after my daddy's name, and they gave me that name, so that was the name that I was identified with. So when I was born, in the book of life, there was a role, a register that was made under that name, Donald Lee Reagan Jr. That was the name of my old nature, which is also the name of the animal house that I live in. Now, I have another name in another portion of that book. I don't yet know what it is, but I'm waiting any day to find it out. Now, your name of your first nature. Now, see, you thought your name was just your body. No, it is the name of your first nature. God is not just dealing with the animal life of the body, but God is dealing with the nature, the soul. Remember, that's where the trouble lay. So God gave the name of your humanity to your nature because it was not your body that was the corruptible parts of it. Remember, Adam had the same body. His eyes were the same color. He was the same height, the same stature, the same weight. Where did the problem come? The spirit image in his soul went out of his body and this started allowing the body to do all of this sinning and all these things that eventually Adam did. But think of it, friend. When Adam lost the image of God, Adam didn't start cussing and running to bars. and You know, there was, there was no such a thing on the earth. But Adam still had in his body part of that remarkable remarkable divine image that God had given to him. Is that right? Notice, insomuch that there was still two separate bloodlines and two separate seed lines after Adam fell in the Garden of Eden. And they were called righteous and they were not born again. So what was it? He still bore in his body part of the imagery that God had given to him. Now watch this, all your deeds was wrote in it too. Everything you done under that nature Oh, Lord, help us to see it. Everything you done under that nature was put in a book. This is why when you are separated by death from that nature, your memory is still here. But that's the only thing you've got left if you're born again. Now, you might remember what you've done wrong because the memory's recorded in your body and in the memory banks of your mentality. But everything associated in sin under that old nature, once you're born again or remarried, is absolutely annihilated. It's not even in the mind of God no more. It does not even exist because that nature is dead. Praise God. Notice this. Now you, but when you were separated from that union by spiritual death. Friends, this is what Satan wants to substitute. Shaking hands, going to church, accepting a mental conception of the message. Well, I believe God sent a prophet. Every devil in hell believes the same thing. You'll never find the devils on YouTube saying William Branham was a prophet. They had personal experience. They know better. 
You'll never find them. That's just poor old ignorant human beings that do that. But they know what that, what that gift was in that man's life. So there had to come a spiritual union with another nature, but before that could happen, there had to be a spiritual death first. You follow me so far? Now what, so you, when you were separated from that union by spiritual death, I love the way he phrases this, your natural desire to cut your hair. Now you see, some women quit cutting their hair, but the serpent in their soul is still there. That's why as soon as they leave a message church, one of the first things they'll do, cut off that hair. Why? That nature lay suppressed for years. They shouted, they spoke in tongues, maybe if they believed in that. They read quotes, they listened to tapes, they went to a message church, and as soon as they got out from under the influence of that anointing, I'm doing what I want to do now. You mean what you've always wanted to do? that you only had repressed down by a hard preacher or because your husband wouldn't let you do it. But that nature is still there. Now once that natural desire to cut your hair is gone, even if your husband said, honey, cut your hair, and the preacher got up and said, cut your hair, you say, I don't want to cut my hair. I don't want to do it. Well, why don't you want to do it? Well, you're free to do it. Of course I am free to do it. I am free from that old husband. I'm free from the desire to want to do it. You see, people take this as freedom and they say, well, I'm free to cut my hair. You're not free. You're under a bondage. I'm free. I'm free to wear a miniskirt. No, that's not freedom. That is a bondage of a lust spirit that is using your body as a bait trap to bait men. But a real daughter of God are the only women that are free in this age. And they are free from the natural desire to cut their hair. They are free from the natural desire to dress so men will lust after them. Well, praise the Lord. They're free from the natural desire to listen to worldly music, to go to worldly places, to do worldly things. They are free from the nature of it. Why? Because at one time they were bound. By what? Their own natural desire. You wanted to do it so bad you just had to. But now you're free. Your natural desire to cut your hair, your natural desire is to wear shorts. It amazes me. Here we are in wintertime. I just find it so alarming that it's becoming to where you see, even in the summer, you see more men with shorts on than you do women. Men Carol's just been noticing it this summer. And how many that you'll see out, and many of the women, of course, will wear pants, but you see more, you'll see a woman with a long pants on and the man with short pants on. And his knees look like, oh, dear God. And he looks like a gorilla, you know, if he's got hair on his knees. And I just, I just, I think, oh my goodness. And I told her, I seen some poor guy the other day, and I told her, I said, if I had legs like that right there, I'd be hiding them behind. I'd call Nashville 10 an awning. I would make a tent. I would do something. I can't understand it. But what is it? It's the natural desire. They don't even know why. That's why when folks, when men will leave this message, what's one of the first things they do? Get them a pair of shorts. And some of them look like a pumpkin with, with two sticks, you know, they're just as fat and tubby as they can be. And they got them shorts on. They think they're so cool. Oh my goodness. 
What is it? The natural desire. You see, their reaction once they leave the headship of the word proves that natural desire to do that always was there, but it lay suppressed by our power. And then once they get out from under the influence, I'm gonna start drinking, I'm gonna start doing that. Well, I go right ahead. You see, that's exactly what you've wanted to do all along. That shows your name has never yet been transferred. That shows that that natural desire, oh, you say, Brother Donnie, well, well, well couldn't I, I get saved and get filled with the Holy Ghost and seal my soul and then backslide and do all those things? Nope, totally impossible. Because if that natural desire is ever dead once, you ain't gonna go back to that hog slop of the world. You are not gonna go back to eating out of the pig pen and the filth of the world again because that nature is dead. There is no more Roma. There is no resurrection for that old nature, you are reunited again under another marriage. Oh my. Notice this. So your natural desire to wear shorts paints your face. Your natural desire to be intellectual smart men. Oh, so worldliness is not just about women wearing pants and men wearing shorts. It's your intellectual desire. Mm-hmm. My, to be smart men. Know something better than the other. That's what Eve wanted. That's the very thing she wanted. Notice again, well, you separated from your first union by spiritual death. Now you are born again or remarried again to the new spiritual union. So actually your first birth was your first marriage. And your husband that had rule over you was your nature. In that union, you were identified as the devil's child. That's right. So then God wants to bring to us the new birth. He creates himself in a tangible human body and kenosis himself into that body. He comes down to the earth, lives as a human, walks as a human, talks as a human, died and gave what looked and appeared to be a mortal life. But it was more than mortal, it was eternal life. In order that a lamb might have a soul, in order to deliver the first dispensation of church-age souls. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Do you understand that which is inside of you, your mother and father never gave you? Brother Branham never brought our souls. The Lord God brought our souls. You were separated from your first union by spiritual death. Now you are born again or remarried again to the new spiritual union. Not of your natural life, of the things of the world, but of eternal life. That germ that was in you at the beginning found you. I'm so glad he found me. Now notice this, that germ. Oh, I went to looking for God. I searched for God. I prayed. I fasted. Can't you see why that's contrary to the word? It wasn't you searching for God. It wasn't you. It was the germ in you looking for you. 
Now, just as a person can repress the spiritual union of death by sitting under a strong ministry, going to a church and sit there for many, many years and repress many of these natural desires, and it's sort of preached away from them. But as they start backsliding, getting cold, getting different, and then they'll find these desires which they thought were dead years and years ago. And they will find themselves wanting to do certain things. Well, what's happening is they're pulling out from under someone else's experience or a strong ministry or a strong gift, and it keeps those things repressed and very weakened down. But as they become backslidden and cold in their hearts, then that nature has the liberty to start rising or resurrecting back to life again. Praise the Lord. Well, as that works in the negative way, so the germ of God deposited inside of us when we breathe the breath of life, that thing laid there for years and years and years. It was dormant, as we would say. Oh my, you might have had a little religious feeling or something like that every now and then, and there was something about you that was different. That was those traits that was there by the deposit of God. But one day, oh my, you started on your journey. Maybe you got saved in a Baptist church, and boy, they were some good old people, and they are some good folks in the Baptist church. And they they actually helped you to find, find the Lord. Boy, you thought you got everything. When you went to that free will Baptist, I mean, you got up there, and you felt so good, and some of them old mammies beat you on the back. Oh, glory to God, hallelujah. Tears run down your eyes. But after you was there for a while, you started feeling another call to the deep. And you started thinking, there's gotta be more to God, ain't there, than just joining the church and doing this and that. What was it? That little seed inside of you. Now, opposite to what some of you think, that little seed hadn't been born again yet. You're still in your phase of bringing it. Now, whenever the mother conceives of the father, she might conceive on July the 9th, say whatever year it was, she cannot honestly say, my baby was just born. Absolutely not. Her, that child, that thing conceived inside of her, it will be many morning sickness bouts. There will be many nausea bouts. She may hate cucumbers and now she loves them. She eats a barrel of them. She might have hated yogurt. She might have hated this and that. But that baby inside of her is calling forth and she will start eating it because that child needs it. Amen, brother, it's one of the best signs I know of that you're born again. It's when a divine nature inside of your soul calls for feeding on heavenly things that you used to didn't like. You used to didn't like going to church. You didn't like clapping your hands. You didn't like doing it, but that Christ child inside of you is craving worship. He's craving fellowship. He's craving divine food, divine favor, divine character, and he will make your body obey his crave. Now watch this, that germ that was in you at the beginning found you. Now, your old book is gone with your old union. Now your name has been transferred. You mean, do you mean to tell me my old book? God put it in the sea of his forgetfulness. You stand perfectly before God. Now your name is now in the new book. Not the book of life, but the Lamb's book of life, what the Lamb redeemed. Not the old book of your natural union, but your new bride. Hallelujah. 
But Brother Donnie, I still remember drinking. I still remember running around. Those things haunt me. Well, my brother, sister, in your mind, you might always forget them. But there is a place of victory that you can have that it no longer convicts you. Because the old man that used to live in this house that done that, he's dead now, if you're born again. And there's a new man moved in that same dwelling. Now, the old nature goes out, the new nature comes in, and God takes up residence in the same body, which is still an animal body. Now, the body cannot be trusted. The body will lie to you. That's right. It will talk you into doing things wrong if you will let it. Well, praise the Lord. Why? Because the body ain't got the Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost will shake my body. The Holy Ghost will heal my body. The Holy Ghost will move on my body and do things for me. But the Holy Ghost cannot go in this animal. He goes in the soul. He goes in that part of himself, which is your part of himself. Praise be to God. Don't you understand what you've got? This is why we preach. We don't just preach the gift of the Holy Ghost. What I've got is not a gift of the Holy Ghost. You can have a baptism every hour of your life and die lost and go to hell. But if you have got your portion of the Holy Ghost in your soul, that was yours from eternity. It's yours through time. It'll be yours through eternity on the other side. That is who you are. You're not just some pig that God brought out of the pig pen and washed you up and set you in church. You are born again. Reunited with another nature. Praise God. Now the old book of your natural union, your new bride, hallelujah. Your new life is in the Lamb's book of life. Your marriage certificate. So the Lamb's book of life is your your marriage certificate as the natural book of life was your marriage certificate when you was born. You see, every mortal, whether they're black, white, red, yellow, Chinese, whatever they are, Japanese, American, Africans, whatever they are, when they are born, every mortal that's ever lived on the earth, you're talking about a book, every mortal that was ever born has their name written And all the deeds written categorically under their name. Don't worry, God won't mess you up with somebody else. He'll not put their sin on you. Neither will he put their righteousness on you. So when they are born, that is their marriage certificate. So in America, they're born to some good old southern parents. If they're born up north, they're born to some good old northern parents. If they're born in China, whatever they are, and they're born around the world, and yet there it was, it was announced the day of their marriage, their marriage or their birth. A baby born, a baby boy, a baby girl. Oh, we're so happy, we're so happy. And yet it's lay silent for years until the first lie, the first deceit. Now, how many of you, you parents, sent your kids to lying school? Deceit school? Wickedness school? How could our children become so deceitful so quick? Now, don't raise your hands so that you don't embarrass them, but I wonder if any of you parents know that there are times your kids have been deceitful. 
Wonder where they got it. Now go ahead and raise your hand, you hound dog. They got it from you. And where did you get it? From your daddy and your mama. Where did they get it? From your daddy and mama. Where, where did we all get it? It goes right back to the Garden of Eden. So because of that natural union, we bore the image of that marriage. I lied, I stole, I deceived. Who can know the human heart? Even in the Old Testament, they pondered about the human heart and said, who can know the human heart? It is so deceitful. Where did we get that at? How could we learn something so vile and so wretched and all of us human beings have it down to a perfection? I never did that good in algebra. I never did that good in U.S. history and world history. I have I passed that human nature with A pluses. Don't sit there and look at me like a bunch of angels. You all did too. Some of y'all was in the third grade till you was 14 years old, and here you was in the seventh grade till you was 21, but you sure passed that deceit part of a human being before you're three. Well. Why? Because it's natural for us to lie. Natural for us to deceive. So God, notice, your marriage certificate, hallelujah, were your true eternal germ from the beginning takes hold. It didn't have that hold while that other union was there. God was not a polygamist or a bigamist. He will not be married to you at the same time. There cannot be that nature of the world and they're married to the devil and then here's another nature inside there and God's married to it. No! One must die. Now you're not only forgiven, but you're justified. Glory, he said, justified. Romans 5.1, yeah, Romans 5.1 said, therefore, being justified by faith. Look up the word. The word doesn't mean forgiven. But this is the way the majority of Christendom preach the new birth, that the old life is forgiven and God takes the same old man or woman and just polishes them up a little bit. This is why people backslide so easily. That old snake is still there. Oh, I don't mind telling you, these paragraphs right here puzzle me for years. Whenever I would hear Brother Branham say this, and I thought, I just, I'm just not getting it somehow. I'm just not getting it. But the more I begin to see election, predestination, foreknowledge, ordination, and so on and so on, finally it clicked. Notice this, for instance, you heard I got drunk and done some evil things and everything. Then you come around and say to me, now watch now, you heard I got drunk, I'd done all these evil things, and then you found out I didn't do them. Then you come around and say, Brother Branham, I forgive you. Forgive me, I didn't do it at the first place. Now, you know, me, myself, and my mind thinking, my little brilliant canary theologian mind. I don't don't understand what he's saying. What's he mean if I did it and then you heard I didn't do it and and, and I'm justified? I said, what? 
No, he says, if I did do it, I'm guilty. You could forgive me and I wouldn't be guilty, but I'm not justified. Now you see what we would have still been if he would have tried to take our own nature? That old man and say, all right, all right, all right I'm, I'm causing you to divorce Satan. You're gonna divorce him. That, that's the bottom line, you're gonna divorce him. I'm gonna save you, I'm gonna wash you up, I'm gonna bring you to the house of God, I'm gonna paint up your toenails and I'm gonna set you there as a big old razorback hog and you're gonna sit in there and I'm gonna teach you how to praise God. I'm gonna teach you how to shout. I'm gonna teach you how to say amen. But you're just a washed up hog. So why do the people of this age especially love, love the topic of forgiveness? And very few of them talk about true justification. God did not forgive your old man and say, oh, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. You say, well, what did he forgive? He forgive you for allowing that old man to be king of your life. He's not wanting to forgive that old man, but kill him. But you see, the new birth concept is, well, forgive that old man and then save him. If you do, you'll never justify him. You'll never be able to look at that old man and say, you never done it. There's only one way out. Look at he said the word justified as though you never done it. Amen. It's not even regarded. How is it done? In God's book of the sea of forgiveness, your old book and marriage is divorced and dead. So your old book and marriage which identifies everything you was. It's not even in the memories of God. Can you imagine a being who contains all the species of the world in his mind? A being who contains every species of insect, every species of animals, every species of plant and animal life. He knows all the trillions of stars and calls them every one by name. A mind so great. And yet once this miracle right here happens to us, he has no memory of us ever being anything else but a son or daughter of God. Now it's not, oh, he just chooses to forget. No, no. Oh, he, he, he just forgive me of that old person. No, you are not the same person forgiven. That person no longer exists. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Notice this, therefore being justified. You was accused. You never done it in the first place. But every one of us know when we sinned and done wrong, this had to do part of it. How many of y'all used to smoke and drink and watch things you shouldn't watch and do this and that and the other? How did you do that? 
Your soul smoked? Really? So did your, your soul grabbed up a, a fifth of whiskey or your soul uh, looked at pornography? or how, 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 how was the connection made? Your soul was the master. Sin was the master of your unit. So sin from the control tower of your being sent the signals out to your receptors in your brain and it come out all night. Then what did you do? You reached and got this. You'd done this. You'd done this. You'd done all these things you shouldn't do. Why? Because you was under the kingship of sin which was the master in your soul. So God don't want to take that master and say, all right, master, come down here and pray. Come down here and repent. And then master, go up there and be baptized. And then master, I'm going to save you. God said, master, there's only one thing for you, death. And whenever I kill you, her first husband will be dead and I will recreate her with a new germ of life, which she's never been married before. And she can be my virgin bride. All that happens in the same house. The master of sin lived in there and controlled the house. And now the master of eternity lives inside there. You say, how in the world can he do it? He sanctifies the house by his presence. Don't you understand? Gold that was dug up out of the earth and that gold was beaten in the metallurgical value that was given to the gold. And that gold was beaten so the beater would be able to see his own image. And then they overlaid the altar with gold, the cherubims with gold. And because that gold been brought out of the earth, but it was laid in a cherubim or laid in the Ark of the Covenant, what happened to it? The very presence of God sanctified that earthly deposit. Amen. And let that gold be in the very representation of deity. Where did that gold come from? Out of the dirt. Where did the silver come from? Out of the dirt. Look at your own body. Let the presence of God kill that nature and sanctify the body. That deity can live in humanity. Can't you see why Satan wants to substitute that though? And just get people to work from this realm up here. Now, I'm a sinner. Now, I'm lost. I'm going to hell. I'm mean. I'm vile. I'm wretched. I'm wicked. But God so loved the world that he sent his little boy, that his little boy could die for me. And I feel so sorry for him. I want to give my heart to God. Then he makes a move. Then mama comes up and goes to beating him on the back and daddy and brother and aunt and uncle. That's it, honey. That's it. That's it. And he gets all emotions. Oh, oh, I feel better. Something happened. Something happened. Did it? Sure. But he's still married. So if he had a problem with porn when he come in and sat down, more than likely he'll still have the same problem. He liked to drink when he come in. If all they'd done was got saved, as we say. When he gets all nervous and frustrated and all been out of shape, guess what? He'll still be drinking. Why? He don't know how to deal with himself. He don't know how to deal with life. And the master from the soul says, you're a Christian, it's okay. Just don't drink over six beers. Anything over six is, you know, too much. And who made you the authority? But you see, that man then, that man loves that. He don't mind you getting religious. Just don't get saved. Don't get filled with the Holy Ghost. He don't mind you being religious. He likes it. A religious devil is seven times worse than any other devil anyway. 
He don't even mind you sitting in a message pew. He does not mind you accepting William Branham as a prophet of God as long as you don't get born again. Well, I wish somebody would preach to me today. Believing the message don't mean you're born again. Oh, I listen to Brother Branham every day. That still don't mean you're born again. It's not knowing William Branham. It's not knowing Donnie Reagan. It is knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and your own nature has died and you and he become married. The old union is in the sea of God's forgetfulness. You wasn't married to it to begin with. Apparently there's several you's about me that I need to understand which one is you. And there's several you's about you that you need to understand which one is you. Now there's a you about you that, whoo. And there's a you about you that's, whoo. You understand so far? There's a you about you that, woo, it ain't worth a nickel. But there's a you, though, about you that's worth the Son of God coming to the earth to give himself. And there was a you about you which was completely guilty. And then after you got born again, there was another you which the memory of the old you tries to remind the new you that it was you that actually did. And you said, it can't be me. It cannot be me. I know it wasn't me. It can't be me. But the old thing right here, the old animal said, don't you remember when you used to get drunk? Don't you remember you used to like them old rock and roll parties? And then instantly, you'll mind, you're walking through Lowe's, you're walking through Walmart, and all of a sudden on the radio or something comes a song of the Bee Gees. <laughs> Eric Clapton. Look at these, some of these young people, they're just thinking, what in the world? You know what I mean, talking about, do you? Well, I've only seen them names. I've never listened to that either, so I really don't know. But all of a sudden, what happens in, in your memory of your mind? You say, oh God, oh God. You're just innocently pushing your buggy down Walmart. Uh-oh, I can see look on some of y'all's face. You guilty as a hound dog. And then you feel, Lord, I'm so sorry, Jesus. And then, of course, your conscience and your memory say, see there? See what it's trying to do? Trying to convince you that the OU is really you. Your memory so associated that and carried you back in a moment of time. And you remembered it and your body reacted. Don't you see why I told you that your body is very neutral? Your body can, oh, it can react to the Spirit of God. It can react to emotion. It can react to many, many things. It's a state of neutrality. So it can react. That's why you need a strong master inside the soul. You was accused. You never done it. Notice this. How is this brought? The old union is in the sea of God's forgiveness. You wasn't married. Oh, glory. To it to begin with, he, the bridegroom, bore your shame himself for you in your place. He took your place for you were predestinated for him. Glory. To be in his bride. 
before the foundation of the world. The Bible said so. You are the predestinated seed. He shall see his seed who shall declare his generation. Oh well. How did you come to this? You were deceived into it by your first marriage, which is your first birth, to your adulterous parent Eve. It's no fault of your own. By your natural birth, you come after Eve who committed adultery. That's the reason you were born an adulteress, a sinner. That's right, you was deceived into it. You, you, it, it ain't your fault, which your, which your ain't it his fault. That's the old boy I wanna know. That's the boy I wanna know more about. That your, that you, I believe is the real me. My memory keeps associating me with that other guy. My conscience keep associating me with that other guy, but I just have a hard time believing that's me. It makes it so hard when you've got two people that's claiming to be you, and both of them are pulling on you. Even one of them has been dead for decades. He still haunts you through the aspect of memory. Don't you see if the blood would have washed your memory the way it released your soul, and you had no memory of the past, you had no memory of your mistakes, no memory of your faults, that that thing would have no claim on you at all. But in your spirit is stored up like a great vault of memories. And it still taps into it. Now really, that's, that's you. Uh-huh. That's you. You know how them thoughts come through your mind and that knucklehead preacher, you're standing up there preaching all that stuff and you'll sit there and think, do I really believe that? Does that even make sense? I'm not sure if I understand that or not. Uh huh. See, that's that real you down in your soul. That's the real you. If I was you, I wouldn't be no hypocrite. I'd just get out there and sow my wild oats and do everything I want to do. I wouldn't be no hypocrite. Oh, you'd rather be a devil, would you? You'd rather be demon possessed than sitting in the house of God. At least you're here. At least you're trying to do something. At least you're putting forth an effort. Oh, if I was you, I'd just give up. If I was you, I wouldn't. If I was you, I'd be doing everything I can. I'd be reading my Bible, but I don't get anything. I'd read it anyhow. I'd come to church, but I don't get anything. I'd come anyhow. Because today might be the very day the Lord God will speak to your nature. You was deceived into it. No, you, it ain't your fault. You never did it because, I love the word because when it's used in the right place. Now when it's in the form of excuse, I get pretty tired of hearing it. But hearing ain't an excuse. It's an explanation of the predestinated mystery of God. Because that little germ that was in you, which wasn't you yet, because it couldn't be manifested while this other nature was there at the same time. You can't have two masters in control. That little germ that was in you was to be you. 
before the foundation of the world. God put your name in the Lamb's book of life. But how can he ever be you when you're someone else? So, brother, who was I? Well, in my state, I was Donald Lee Reagan Jr. Married to that first husband, that nature. It had rule over me. But there that morning when I was born, July the 9th, 1956, my mama didn't see it, just a girl. My daddy didn't see it, just a boy. But in that hospital room, when I went, God breathed my deposit of himself. And that little germ was to be me before the world began. It wasn't me for a long time because I was another person under my master's sin. Then one day I got a religious feeling. You've heard me tell it before. My mama just got saved a few weeks before. And something real funny. I don't think I'll ever forget, Brother Louis, as long as I live. It was on a Saturday when it started kind of dealing with me. My uncle's church, a little hole in his church there in Kentucky. And something started dealing with me. I started crying. And I went to mama. Me and mama was really close. I went to mama and said, Mama, how did you get saved? Well, Donnie, he just go up there and talk to the Lord and tell me you don't want to be lost. You want to be saved. I said, okay. There was two brothers, two Pentecostal preachers, Bobby and Bidley Medley were their names. They was preaching a revival. I don't have a clue which one preached. I don't have a clue what they even said. So it shows you right there I was not begotten by the word. Praise the Lord. Now was I on my start? I was making my start. It was not because I understood. I don't remember. You folks know I've still got a pretty decent memory left. I don't have a clue which one preached. I don't have a clue what they even talked about. All I know is I kept feeling this something that was drawing me. He knew if he waited on my understanding of the word to ever get great enough, I don't tell him how old I'd be. So supernaturally, he started dealing with my germ. Glory be to God. Many of you can remember a similar circumstance. I went for years. Then they begin to tell me about the Holy Ghost. Okay, what's the Holy Ghost? What is speaking in tongues? I said, okay, okay. I want, I want to speak in tongues. And if that's the Holy Ghost, mama, what's the Holy Ghost? What is God living in you? I thought I got nobody got saved. No, it ain't the same thing. I said, okay. It ain't the same thing. So I got up the altar and they come up. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Well, sure enough, I started speaking in tongues. But I kept on speaking after they got done. When they got done, I was still speaking. I talked in tongues for a couple hours laying there on the floor. My daddy picked me up, put me in the seat of the car, but then he got saved, carried me home. I laid down in the living room speaking in tongues for hours up into the night. You know what I mean, don't you? But guess what? My germ still hadn't got quickened yet. Oh, Lord. <laughs> We better dismiss right here. 
Brother Donnie, when did it happen? When, when? To be honest with you, I'm not sure I can say. Because I was in Pentecost, believe all kinds of lies, preach lies, believe false doctrine. Wasn't because I was preaching because I knew it was false. I didn't know no better. Did we, Brother Greg? We didn't know no better. Doing with everything we knew. But one day, an eagle come over where I was. And I was sitting in a radio room of a preacher that I worked with, which had radio broadcasts all over the United States and television. And I seen some books upon his bookcase. I was making the intros and the outgoes of the radio broadcasts and put excerpts of his sermons. So while I made the intro into it and announced it, you know, all the announcements, meetings, and so on, I reached up and grabbed a hold of a book. I'd already heard the name William Branham. I already knew the Lord Jesus. I didn't get saved when I heard about Brother Branham. I was already saved. You don't get saved by hearing about it. But I reached up there and opened up. And I, oh, my. Well, by then, my, wife, my dear little wife had already been reading Brother Branham's books. My dear brother Harry, which ain't with us today, so I can fry his hide. Him and her was reading the books. And she'd say, Donnie, read this. This is so good. Stubborn Pentecostal. That's why I tell you, my germ had not yet come to itself. Some of you sat in a Pentecostal church for 50 years. You know when you got the Holy Ghost? One day when God sent an eagle anointing over it and all of a sudden it quickens you. It didn't just quicken that revelation to you. It quickens you to the revelation. Finally, your soul matched the word. Oh, Brother Don, I need to know the day or the hour. Do you remember the moment when you were born naturally? Can you take it back when you was in the hospital when you come out of the womb? Of course you cannot. But what you look back is you have the evidence of a human. I breathe like a human. I talk like a human. I live like a human. I I am a human. I live like a son of God. I talk like a son of God. I behave like a son of God. I believe I'm a son of God. Do I know exactly when it moved from my spirit into my soul? I don't. But I believe the move has transpired. Why? Because now I live under a different nature. I've got a different husband. I've got a different ruler. My master is not sin. It is not the pleasures of this world. It is the master, the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him. Glory to God. As the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Now you see this shows us the old life, the old man still leaves behind him lingering parts of his dominion. People can get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and still be dealing with things of this old nature. Why? Because that old man lived in that house and done those things and said those things for so long. And then all of a sudden you feel checked when you say this. 
or you do that. What is it? You're putting off the conversation of the old man. This is something you and I do. He's the only one that can take the old man. But now it switches over to Christian service to where we take the life of the new man and transfer his actions, his behavior into our body. And we put off that of the old man. The word conversation is actually rendered more so behavior. From former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So what do we do, Brother Louis? We put it off. It's like clothes. Behavior in the Old and New Testament is identified with clothes and unclothes. God puts in the new man, we put off the old man. God puts in the new man, we put on the new man. Praise be to God. Galatians 6, 15, in Christ Jesus is neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Ephesians 4, 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye, ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Notice, but you're putting it on, not putting it in. God puts it in, and then we put it on. Where? Out here. Behavior. The way we live, the way we act, the way we conduct business, the way whatever we do, we put on the new man. So people can look at us and say, I don't understand what they believe, and I sure don't understand that church they go to, but there's ever a Christian right there's one. Now, they looking inside your soul and seeing the new man? They're looking on the outside and seeing what you have put on on the outside. Let me read this and we'll close. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us unto glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine soul or nature. Praise God. Partakers, partner, fellowship, companion, associate, comrade. Nature, the sum of innate properties and powers by which one person differs from others. Distinctive native peculiarities, natural characteristics. Praise God. And the church said, don't you love him? Can I read you one more quote? Well, now then, the same thing. Many things that we have, we favor by a family strain like that to each other. Then in the family strain of God, if we become born of the Spirit of God, we take on the nature of God, which then we are sons of God. Oh, I want that more and more, don't you? Isn't it a testimony of the power of God that a Christian acts like a Christian the same way 
a Louis Blevins would act like a Louis Blevins. Now, do you think this man here sets home before coming up to service and reviews himself on video and looks at his moves and his words and he says, I'm going to be sure and act like Louis now. I don't want to act like Brother Donnie this morning. I want to act like Brother Louis. Do any of you review your self-videos every day before you get ready to face the day's challenges and responsibilities? And how did I act yesterday? You, you don't even look at that. You ever notice whenever you're walking, especially downstairs, if you're going down steps, if you commit that to the part of you which God has designated for certain functions in our body, and that is your subconscious, and you don't think about it, you walk, how easy, watch how easy it is for you to walk down those steps. But you watch when you go to watching yourself walk down those steps. Isn't it amazing how you will stumble or feel nervous? Now why? The first conscience is merging into the territory of the subconscious. And the subconscious naturally does that. How do you think your blood pressure, your heart, all the things of your body that transpire when you are asleep, how do you think they function? God functioned them to your subconscious. Put them under the administration of your subconscious. We'd never sleep a wink if we did. I can't go to sleep. I'm afraid I'll die. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Oh, I can't breathe. But you can be able to go to sleep on those nights when you can. Thank God. When you're able to go to sleep. And what is it? Your subconscious keeps all of that. Your subconscious will allow. And you enter into the phases of sleep. Into the deep phase of sleep in your brain. How is it that your heart, everything is going on. My, it's just operating exactly right. Committed to the subconscious. For many of us, that's our struggle of the soul. God commits the reality of the new birth to the soul. And when we, from the outer conscience, try to, am I saved? Am I not saved? Oh, no. Well, a saved person wouldn't do this. And you go to looking at all the scriptures and all the cool. Well, a saved person, a person with the Holy Ghost. Now, they won't make mistakes and they won't. You will talk yourself out of salvation by noontime. But if you commit that outside and your spirit to your soul. One of my little granddaughters asked me the other day, going home from church, Poppy, how can you know you've got the Holy Ghost? I said, well, honey, in simple terms, Poppy, I'll make it as simple as I know how. You look at what you want from your soul. What is your desire? Do you love Jesus with all of your soul? Or are you making yourself love him? That's my simple answer to each of us here today. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Oh, Lord God. Thank you, Father, for your word. We can see, uh, I trust, more clearly this great path, the reconciliation through kenosis in order to redeem your church, your people, to bring us back to that place, Father. Not taking the old man and saving him, forgiving him, and trying to help him be a better person. Give him all kind of self-help books and things that he'll never be able to do. But if you can just get him to reason with you and that old man dies, that little part of yourself that you breathed into each of us, it comes alive. Praise God. Then we start living under another nature. 
And this is what we did when we were little children. We were born, we couldn't speak. We couldn't pronounce words. That's why babies that are born all over the world, they don't come to the earth as English-speaking babies. They don't speak at all. They don't come to the earth as Spanish-speaking babies. So a baby can be raised, be born by English parents, be raised in a Polish or Russian home. And the first words you start hearing are Russian or Polish or Icelandic, whatever it is. Even though it was born of English parents, it may never learn to speak one word of English because the home it's raised in. Oh, glory to God. That's the way our soul is. We were born, Lord God, in the midst of such a perverse world. But we're raised in the house of God, in the family of God. So our soul don't speak perverseness. Our soul does not speak worldly wretchedness. It's born from another world, raised in the heavenly language of God. So it speaks high things, great things, wonderful things. Help us today, Lord Jesus. May each of us, may each of us submit that which we are into the presence of the great King. If there's a one here today, Lord God, who's still married to that old nature, may you help them, Father. May they be willing to surrender that old husband. You will never marry them, never take them as your own until they do. Granted, I pray, Father. There's some here today, Lord, still living under the haunting torments of that old man. May this service be a point of deliverance for them. May it be a place where they can set their foot down and say, God, I finally see it. That was the old person. That was not me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. I'm as happy today that you're born again. Living with a new husband. That other, that other old man I was married to, he is a wife beater. He was mean. He was cruel. He was rotten. Oh, but thank God. This new husband of mine. Oh, he loves me, cares for me. Not saying that he don't rebuke me when I need it. He does. But every one of his rebukes are out of love. Oh, Jesus. From the start to the finish, I need more.
I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. Brother Tim, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord this morning? Oh, wanted a tremendous message today. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Tim, if you've not got anything, I'd like for you to do that over and over. God is faithful. We'd like to hear Brother Tim sing one more song for us this morning before we leave. Praise the Lord. Come, buddy. Amen. Sure appreciate you being with us this morning, brother, with you this morning. Man, that was preaching. Wow. Everybody needs to hear that. Yes, sir. Man, that's good. That's good. You're very fortunate not to have just a man like this precious soldier. But to have a God-filled man. That's the difference. Could you check it for team, brother? Thank you. I had a few strangers off. You don't mind. Thank you. Do you love him today? Amen. Would you be seated just for a moment, if you would? It's been a pleasure to be able to come up here and see y'all and be in service with you. I didn't come to sing or anything like that. But I guess sometimes it falls you a lot. But we're grateful to be able to, I guess, make a joyful noise <laughs> if we could. But as Brother Donnie preached today, just something kept burning and burning and burning and burning. A song inside of me because Lou had told me he wanted me to sing a song. So I'm going to sing that song if it's possible for you today. I hadn't sung it in a while, but I think I can remember the words to it. Because it's just so real, the reality of it. That that old man is gone eradicated gone if that don't make you shout something's wrong hallelujah hallelujah hey, just something about serving God ain't he something about him coming on the inside as though you never did it Wasn't that good today? Wasn't that good? Glory! Try see. This is what I feel led to sing. 
now and then an old friend of mine I've not seen for some time will stop by and ask me where you been what's on your mind and they wonder while I'm not drinking painting this old town red I tell them I'm serving Jesus now and that old man is dead lot the same I may wear my same old suits even got the same old name but you're looking on the outside you could see inside you would see a brand new man Cause the old man is dead I used to live a wicked life had no hope inside and I was lost in the darkness needing the light oh but then one day in a little church
morning in Happy Valley after hearing what that preacher said anybody I gave my heart to Jesus and this old man he died excited and say a few words I'm sorry brother Donnie 
But if you expect the preacher to stand behind this pulpit and I say something, you something's wrong with you. Especially out of hearing that kind of preaching. Because he took me where I came from. Showed me where I came from and showed me where I'm going. God bless you. Man, I enjoyed this. I needed this. Appreciate you. Love you. God bless you. Is that in the book? Over and over. I stood on the banks of a wide raging river, trusting that I'd get across. I made my way through some valleys and desert, believing I'd never get lost. I've been at the foot of what felt like Mount Everest, knowing I have the strength for the climb. Cause through every trial, each test and temptation, one thing is sure every time. Over and over, again and again, Again and again through it all He made me able to stand and survive I'll come through alive when it seems that I cannot win Oh, Jesus is with me I claim the victory over and over again me why I've got no hesitation God does what he said he will do I'd simply say every battle has taught me oh there's nothing he can't help me through so why should I dwell on the hardships and struggles if I look just beyond them I can see this will end is in great celebration deep in my heart I believe over and over again and again God is faithful over and over again and again through it all he makes you able stand and survive I will come so powerful listen very carefully you ask me why I've got no hesitation God does what he said he will do I'd simply say every battle has taught me there's nothing he can't help me through listen why should you dwell on the hard strips and struggles if you look just beyond them you can see that the 
this will end is in great celebration. Tim this morning. And it's been a good service. And it's been a good service. Praise the Lord. God bless you. If you need to be dismissed, we'll be leaving right now. Service here Wednesday night, the Lord willing. But let's just enjoy this. The, the events of this morning have been wonderful. Is that right? Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. God bless you.